You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Uh, I have the privilege today of introducing Dan Hagen uh, to you today. I've actually only just met him uh, today, really, for the first time. Uh, Dan and his wife, Chelsea, lead a church multi-site situation uh, in Frankston, south of Melbourne, and uh, have been in church leadership for about 10 years. Uh, before he uh, and his wife, or before he met Jesus, uh, he was involved in the drug scene in Melbourne. Uh, some of you might be familiar with that. And, uh, and also the professional music scene. Oh, no, come on, we're real people. Um, and, uh, and also the professional music scene, and uh, just had a significant encounter with Christ uh, in his uh, 15 years ago, or something like that. He's been walking with God. 2000. Okay, well, you can tell that story. I'll leave that up to you. That uh, today travels around the world. Uh, they're here. Uh, we were able to snatch Dan this weekend because they're part of a doing a week-long uh, worship tour, essentially, uh, through all the capital cities of Australia uh, to plug an event, in part, that is happening in Melbourne at Etihad Stadium in November. A whole bunch of you are going to that, I understand. How many of you were there last night in Adelaide for the worship? There you go, for Waiting Australia. So some of you have seen Dan last night. Uh, and that's only part of why they're doing this tour. The other reason is to provide a great excuse for churches to get together uh, for no other reason than to worship God and pray for their city. And that's, again, the, the purpose of harp and bowl, okay? That picture that we have for our worship and prayer night comes from Revelation 5, where the worship filled the senses that the angels had, or that was the prayers of the saints. The angels played harps in worship, and they had prayers from the saints. So harp and bowls full of prayers. So that's where that imagery comes from. And Dan's got a great heart for that, for worshipping God, engaging with heaven, and for seeing his kingdom, or the rule of God, uh, break out and touch real people's lives. So if you're a real person here today, we serve a real Jesus, and, uh, and we have a real message for you this morning from the heart of Dan Hagen. Why don't you stand to your feet, let's pray for him and thank him as he comes, mate. Come on. <clears throat> Cheers. What? You know, you know Chad's deal. Put one hand on your heart, another hand stretched out to him. And uh, Dad, we start by praying for the soil of this heart. And uh, Father, I believe you have me here for a reason today. And you want to speak into my life and into my heart. So to the best that I know how, I say I'm open to hearing your voice, and I'm open to heeding your voice, to doing it what it is that you say. So have your way in me this morning, good, good Father. And Dad, as I stretch a hand out towards Dan, I bless him. I do not know him this morning, but I respect and honour him. I thank you that he's your boy, he's your son, and I pray that he would operate in the full strength of the gift that you've placed on his life. May complete freedom be his to be who he is and to share his exciting story with us. So I bless him and I expect, uh, Father, him to enjoy today and to be glad that he was here with us as I am glad to have him here. So bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, someone say, hey, yes and amen. Go, mate. Awesome, man. Well, praise God. <laughs> Giants in the land, after all. <laughs> oh, it's really good to be with you guys. What a great church you have here. Such a sweet presence as soon as we walked in you guys are already worshiping and and a sweet sweet presence and some great people so uh uh thanks chad and jane for jay for having us and all your team uh we got to drive along uh through the hills of adelaide through the winery country here 
and uh, get to check out the beach, beautiful cafe, lovely coffee here in Adelaide, walk into this beautiful church. You guys are very blessed, amen? Why don't you say to the person next to you, you're very blessed, amen? So uh, thanks for the great introduction too, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm married 10 years now with four beautiful children, and uh, as Chad mentioned, we're based in the southeast area of Melbourne, and uh, these days I've been doing a lot of traveling over the last three years. We've been ministering throughout Europe, and, uh, and this year in particular, we've been doing a lot of work around Australia in the lead up to an event that is happening in November at the Etihad Stadium. We're really excited about that. And we're not just excited about the event, but everything that's brewing around it. And I have the great privilege of getting around the country on a grassroots level and just finding out what's happening amongst the local churches and and seeing people come together and hearing about the prayer meetings. And one of the things that we're doing is asking people to set their alarms for seven o'clock uh, every day. And, uh, and thousands of people have committed to that. So we get our smartphones out, put a, a regular or everyday alarm at 7 p.m. I'm sure some of you guys are probably joining us actually. And right around the nation, uh, people are praying for our unsaved family and friends. People are praying uh, for God to pour out His Spirit on our nation to see our nation come back to Jesus. Uh, our nation's beautiful, and, uh, and you guys have got a great church. There are many great churches that are, that are growing, that are doing great things in their community. But as a whole, statistically, uh, we're actually losing the battle. And so I believe that it's time for us as a, as a church, as a wider church, to come together and to unite and, uh, and really to fight that faith. Uh, fight the good fight of faith together and to believe God for a great harvest, to do what we saw in the 50s. And, you know, I'm a great student of revival. I love revival. And I, every time I hear about the, or read about the things that took place in Wales and places like that where 100,000 people were swept in, uh, in in a short period of time into the kingdom of God, I'm like, God, do it again. If it can happen in that little place in Wales, it can happen here. Amen. So you guys with me on that? Well, I'm a worship leader, so I always like to start with, uh, with worship before I speak. Is that okay? So uh, you don't need, we don't need music necessarily, but I just want to encourage you right now. Let's just shout out the name of Jesus. You okay with that? On the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus! That's a sweet name. Let's do that again. You ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Yeah, let's do it again. One more time. <laughs> One, two, three. Jesus! Yes, Lord. The name above all names. So, anyway, God's doing great things. But uh, I want to just share a little bit of my story. Is that okay? I'm going to back right up. I actually felt to uh, rewind the clock back to my parents. And uh, when I was at the age of three, my father was 24, and he worked on a market garden in the southeast of, of Melbourne. And every morning, he'd get up very early. And uh, he'd be on the tractor, and he'd work on, on the market garden, and he'd be doing farming. And uh, it was around three in the morning, uh, he had this amazing experience, amazing encounter. Now, he wasn't Christian. He wasn't really interested in the things of God. He did tell me that he went to a Catholic youth group, but it wasn't for God. He said he was more interested because there were young girls that were there, and he was trying to find a young girl, perhaps at the Catholic youth group, but the things of God were not uh, on his mind at all. 
But uh, his sister, her name's Mary, she got born again around two years uh, previous. And his sister had been praying for him and all of her family. So my father's now 24 years old. He's on the market garden, driving along like every, any other day, three in the morning. It's dark. And he said, all of a sudden, everything just lit up. He went into what he describes as an open vision. And it shocked him, as it would. No, no real experience with the supernatural or with God at all. But he did have a praying sister in the background that he didn't realize, didn't know about. How many people know that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective? I want to encourage you with, with this story on many levels. If you've got unsaved family and friends, we've been seeing so many things around the nation. God is breaking out in circumstances that seem impossible because of the, the rise and the increase in prayer across this nation. And so my auntie Mary was praying for my dad. He's not thinking about God. And then sovereignly, God rocks up in the workplace, goes into this open vision. And my father retells the story. He said that it was like an audible voice. He, he said it was difficult to describe, but it was a voice that seemed louder than what you're hearing now with a microphone, but it shook the very core of who he was. And God spoke to him. Jesus spoke to him on the market garden and said, Tony, I've called you to be my soldier. And he said in that moment, he saw his life, like the 24 years, flash before his eyes. And he had this sense, even though he's doing stuff and he's got a family now and he's married, but he just had this sense that really without God, even the good stuff, it's, it has no real value unless it's eternal. Just through that one encounter, he starts to realize that what he's living for is really fickle and really pointless because what is it all for anyway? We live and we die, we work and we have our white picket fence, but what's it all for? And uh, I'm really grateful for that encounter. I'm really grateful that my dad had that encounter at the age of 24. So he finishes his day at work. He is so spun out. As soon as he finishes, he flies home and he begins to unpack this story and tell my mom. And she's really young and uh, she doesn't really have any Christian experience as well. She got brought up in a an atheist family, and their, their real God, if you like, was football. I know you guys like football in Adelaide. Well, they love it in Melbourne, especially in country uh, Victoria. The football and beer. That was my mum's side. Football, beer, and their local church was the pub. They'd hang around the football screen, and, and that was the life of uh, my mum's side. They're actually quite, quite a well-known uh, football family. And so mum had no real Christian experience at all. And then my dad comes home and just begins to unpack this story about this encounter. And, uh, and as he's retelling the story to my mom, there's a knock at the door. Guess who it was? It wasn't the sister, but she's praying in the background. It was a local pastor. This local pastor knocks on the door as he's retelling this story. Praise God for local pastors, by the way. Come on, Jesus. And dad opens the door, and he's shocked. He's like totally spun out. And there's this pastor now at the door and says, I just, I'm just in the area, and I felt like I needed to knock on your door. 
Would you like to do a Bible study? I'm in the area, I'm just wondering whether you'd like to do a Bible study. Now, it wasn't a Jehovah Witness, it wasn't a Mormon, it was a local church pastor. And my dad would normally probably say, no, thank you, not interested, shut the door. But because he just had this encounter, he's like, what is going on? Let's the pastor in. Pastor does a Bible study with my mum and dad. And then he comes back every week, week after week, begins to disciple them. They end up going to his local church. They get born again, give their lives to Jesus. And our family were involved in church life for nine, nine years. And as a young kid, I grew up in church life from around the age of three. Sorry, for around six years, from around the age of three to the age of nine. And I thank God. Now, how many people think that's a coincidence? I've been around this for a long time now, 15 years. My encounter, my uh, salvation experience was in 2003. But I'm really beginning to realize a lot of things are not coincidence. I, I would call that the synchronicity of heaven, that it was a setup from God. It blows my mind how God can kind of orchestrate it and piece it all together. But I do know one thing, that it started with the prayers of my auntie, for sure. And, uh, and that's one thing that I'm just more and more realizing, that I want an awakening. I want revival. I want my whole family saved. I had a whole bunch of cousins. We, were, we just finished a seven-day uh, tour. This is our seventh, or eighth day now. And all around the country, we're seeing hunger. We're seeing God move powerfully. And I was just in Perth. And a whole bunch of cousins from my family that I hadn't seen for years had heard that we were there. And they came along. And I got to pray for uh, one of my cousins who was struggling with mental illness. And that all of my family were in, encountering Jesus. And uh, I want to see my whole family... Uh, on fire. How many people here have got unsaved family and friends? I want to encourage you to pray. Pray, 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 because it was the prayers of my auntie that sparked this. And then my mom and dad got saved. The local, God orchestrated things. The local pastor rocks up right on that point after my dad has that experience. And now my family's involved in church. So as a young kid, I'm, I'm watching mom and dad now involved in uh, worship teams and leading worship. And I I'd get there early and practice on the drums as they're doing sound check and begin to develop this uh, hunger and this passion for music. And it was because of local church that did that. I remember going to Bible studies and I remember going to prayer meetings and all-night prayer meetings uh, with, um, with mum and dad. And, and I actually remember experiencing the presence of God as a young, a young child. And um, I'm grateful for those early seeds that were planted in my heart as a young boy. But how many people know church is not always brilliant all the time? And sometimes, because there's people involved, some things can go wrong. How many people have experienced that before, yeah? So, now God's perfect. Jesus is perfect. And uh, we look to Jesus, and He's our inspiration, but people can get things wrong. And so I always say, if you find the perfect church, don't go there, because you might mess it up. But there are none. There's no perfect church. Um, and that helps to, to have that understanding, because then you're not kind of critical and ju judging every little thing, because you're actually there to help, and there to serve the church. And Jesus loves the church. Amen? So if you find an area that's in lack... 
Um, it's not our job to go, oh, look at that, look at that. It's our job to say, how can we help fix that? Because we're the church, the people of the church, amen? So um, we, we learned that the hard way as a family. And uh, so some bad things happened. I don't know all the details. I was pretty young, but I, I, you know, you hear bits and pieces, but some bad stuff. And so mom and dad uh, left the church with the initial intention of finding another place. But one thing led to another. The weeks roll on, the months roll on, they're not in church. Now the years roll on, and a decade rolls on. And we're out of church, and, and we're backslidden. And to be honest, hell really hit our family hard. And in particular, me. And, uh, you know, I can't blame anyone else, to be honest, except myself and my own choices. But I took the, the passion that I learned in local church and the giftings, and I loved music. And uh, all of a sudden, now I'm in a band as a, a young man, and there's no, now no Christian influence around at all. And I'm in a band, and the band took off, and doors begin to open up in the nightclub scene, the pub scene. Uh, and in Melbourne, the, the music scene is quite, uh, quite big there. And we we're playing like four and five nights a week. Uh, we had um, multiple opportunities to sign uh, record deals. So we were actually just kind of playing the field a little bit and waiting for the right one. And there was a particular producer and uh, record label that we were really wanting to work with. And it took five years uh, before we eventually signed this record deal. And we were uh, uh, writing songs and sending them songs. And they keep um, uh, writing back to us and saying, uh, not yet, keep writing, keep writing. It's getting better, but not yet. And then uh, I'll get into that a little later, but I loved music. But as a result of that scene, I embraced everything that sometimes comes with it. The cliche to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, I, you know, my, the people that I now looked up to were, you know, like the, the wannabe rock stars, the people that you see on television, MTV. It's all a fake facade anyway, a lot of it. But... I look at their lifestyle and the drugs and the craziness and everything that goes with it. And now all of a sudden I'm looking to them as a, as a role model. And so not only do I love the music, but now I'm also pursuing the lifestyle that sometimes goes with it. And my personality, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm normally all in. If I choose to do something and I've got a passion for it, I'm all in. That uh, can be a good thing when you're living for Jesus, because he wants us all in, amen? But I was all in to the drug scene, and it took right over. I ended up getting involved in drug dealing and uh, involved with some pretty bad people. Because we were attracting large crowds with the band, we would have uh, night, nightclub uh, owners, and we'd have drug dealers and leaders of bike gangs and things like that that would begin to hang out with us in the back rooms and we'd have drug dealers giving us drugs and and because they wanted the influence to, amongst the crowds and it was very interesting how the whole scene worked and I, I quickly began to spiral out of control as a result of being involved in that uh, environment and uh, between the ages of 18 and 24 I got to a point where I couldn't go a day without some sort of amphetamine in my body and it started off fairly innocent as we're first in there but by the end of it uh, I, I couldn't be in front of people I had to have an ecstasy pill or I had to have a line of cocaine or speed or 
some type of drug in my body before I could get myself out of bed and be in front of people. I couldn't, it got to a point where I couldn't be on the stage anymore unless I was uh, messed up on, on some sort of drug. And it was really interesting because on the outside, it looked like I was successful. We had multiple, we're, we're playing the field with different uh, opportunities to sign record deals. We're writing uh, what some would say were great songs. And on the outside, even to friends and to some family members that weren't close to me, my close family members knew that I was, I'm breaking. There's something wrong happening. But on the outside, it, it seemed like things were good. But no one's seen what was happening behind closed doors and what was happening on the inside of me. The Bible says that sin's pleasurable for a season, but it actually causes death. And that's what was happening inside of me. I was dying inside. And I remember um, just trying to pull myself out of bed and get myself up for another night and entertain again. And what turned, what started with a passion and started with love just turned into this, just trying to just get myself through it. I, by the end of it, I hated being around people. Depression, anxiety began to dominate my life. I remember being so high as a kite on drugs and then as soon as the night was finished, like maybe you'd, I'd be sometimes up for three days in a row, no sleep, just on this, on this, what we would say, a bender. And then I'd come home and I'd just be crashed out for three days. I'd, I didn't want to speak to anyone. I'd turn the phone off and I just hated being around people. It was just this constant up and down. Uh, and I was spiraling out of control and really, really messed up. So as I said before, on the outside, on the outskirts, it might have looked like I'm successful and that things were going well, but the people close to me, like my mum, for example, and my dad, they knew that something was seriously, seriously up. And uh, I got so messed up that it wasn't just a drug addiction now, but I was also starting to dabble in weird spiritual things because of the people that I was involved with. It's interesting that, and I've done a little bit of study on this, but the pagan tradition, if you look at at history, and even if you do a little bit of study on the word pharmakia and how it's linked to the word sorcery, drugs is a way that people would tap into the spiritual realm. And so because of that lifestyle and the people that I'm hanging around, uh, I started to encounter the spirit realm, but not in a holy way. I started to tap into something that was really, really bad. And, and as a result, uh, the demonic started to, to take over and I started to hear voices and and doctors would describe it as uh, uh, schizophrenia, bipolar. But for me, it wasn't just a chemical imbalance. I was, I was getting into some really, really dark stuff. And, uh, and so mom and dad, because they'd had the history of church and because they knew that Jesus was real, they, uh, they began to pray again. Even though they were out of church, they began to pray because they knew that the answer was Jesus. And so here I am, messed up, somewhat successful, but really, really broken on the inside. And mom begins to pray. Dad begins to pray. I want to tell you, I'm standing here now because of the prayers of my mom, because of the prayers of my auntie. And uh, I just, just see that, that consistent theme throughout our family life anyway, when someone began to pray and really pray and really intercede. And God began to crash in. Now, I didn't know that mum was praying during that time. 
I remember one time, it was an extreme situation. We'd finished the gig. We went to this, what we called a rave party afterwards with electronic music, uh, just drugs going everywhere. And then we finished that. And I went with, with these people from the Melbourne underworld. And we went up. We were sitting on this uh, rich penthouse area. And I remember sitting up there with these people. And, uh, and they, had, they, got, they, had, they were loading up guns. And we were having this discussion about how we're going to go shoot up this other nightclub because there were people in there that ripped them off. And, and I'm sitting there having this conversation. And I wasn't really personally involved with this particular situation. But all of a sudden, it was just like this blindfold that had been in my eyes, this darkness was just lifted off. Even though I was in the midst of this uh, drug-fueled bender, I'd been up for around three days, it was like this darkness had lifted off. And for a moment... I felt clarity, and, uh, and I, I just I remember thinking to myself, how did I get here? And I just had this flashback of, uh, of being a kid in, in church life, and I had just that reminder of the peace and the joy that I had uh, as, a, as a child at those prayer meetings, and it was like it, it just flashed into my mind and flashed into my heart, and I remember thinking, what am I doing here? How did I get so messed up? How did I get in this environment where we're sitting with, uh, with gangsters from Melbourne talking about shooting up a nightclub. I just, I just wanted to play music to start with, and now I'm just in this crazy place. I didn't realize at the time, but my mom was praying. And so God began to crash in to my circumstances. Another similar time, mom's still praying, interceding. This time she rings a local pastor. Once again, I found out about all this later on. Didn't know at the time. She rings a local pastor. His name's Frank Clancy. He's an ex-Vietnam vet. Some of you guys may have heard of Frank Clancy. He's an absolute legend in our area. He's 70 years old uh, at the moment, 70-odd, and he's still preaching the gospel all around Australia. Absolute champion. My mum had heard about this man, Frank Clancy, and he said, you know what? And he's so busy. He doesn't know my family. My family weren't in his church, but ring him up and just explain the situation and their concerns. He says, I'm going to come around to his house when he's not home and I'm going to pray around his house and we're going to believe that God's going to crash into his world. And so now I've got my mom and a local church pastor and my dad praying for me. And uh, I'm sure you know how the story goes when you've got all those people praying for you. So the next... Uh, now, it was so, so much chaos and confusion, and, and there were so many things that, honestly, I don't remember. It was like a haze. It was details I don't remember, but there are certain things that I do remember clearly, like it was like I'm right in the moment right now, even as I think about it, even as I uh, try to explain it. And this next moment, it was something similar where God came crashing in. I was standing, I'd been again on a drug field binge up for around three days. And I was in a town called Chelsea Heights. I remember where I stood in the front yard and something really simple happened this time. There was a family, it was two doors down and uh, I had a can of Jim Beam in my hand. I remember the details so clearly in this particular moment. A family with three children came out from their house went to the letterbox, they were all happy, they were laughing, it was something so pure, so innocent, just this really simple moment, they open the letterbox, they're so excited with anticipation, they get what they were looking for out of the letterbox, they're all happy, they go back to the house, 
And then that moment triggered something. And I remember thinking again, what am I doing? How did I get this messed up? And as I thought that, I heard not an audible voice. I wouldn't say it's like I'm hearing now, but something that felt louder than an audible voice. And I talked to my father about his experience on the market garden and how he heard the voice of God. And, and I feel like it was something similar to that. And it shook the very core of who I was. It was like this, it was external and internal all at the same time. It's very difficult to describe, but I heard God in that moment. And God said, if you're ever going to get out of this, you need to go back to church. Mom's praying. A local church pastor's praying. I didn't know, but that's the time that they were praying. And then I hear God. I hear his voice in the midst of the chaos. I'm not even searching for God. But in the midst of the chaos, he comes in. His reckless love. He leaves the 99 to come after the one. He loves us. Even in the midst of our the deepest sin. The deepest craziness that we sometimes find ourselves in. He loves us so much. You know, the Bible says, even while we were yet sinners, he sent his son. Maybe some of you don't have a crazy story like that. But the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And before Christ, the Bible says we we're all enemies of God. We were dead in our transgressions. And yet God loved us so much. He wants us reconciled. And so... I've now had this encounter and this really rocked me. Like the, the one in the top of the penthouse rocked me, but this really rocked me. And I was shaking. Like I was, I was really impacted by that. And because of that encounter, I actually decided to follow through on it. In the midst of my, this mental illness, this drug addiction, this depression, I'm like, man, I've got to do this. And so I, I decided to just what I thought was walk to a random local church in my area not knowing my mum's praying, not knowing my dad's praying, not knowing that now they've got, they've brought in the reinforcements with the local church pastor and they're actually literally praying around my house. And, uh, and so I walked to this, what I thought was a random local church and guess whose church it was? <laughs> there are hundreds of churches in our region. I could have popped into any church. This is why I said before with the timing of that local church pastor with my, my dad's story and how he knocks on the door right in that moment. And you might think, well, that's just coincidence. I'm telling you, it's not. It's the synchronicity of heaven. God orchestrating this. And it started with the power of prayer. And so now I've got three people praying for me that I know of. And I walk into a local church and it's Frank Clancy's church man he would have been spinning out he's praying around my house and now I rock up to his church it was a church just like this beautiful people it was quite confronting to me to be honest to start with because for me to be around people I had to be on drugs I got to that point where I couldn't literally be around people unless I was high on something and and here I am in this church now and everyone's so happy 
and they're not on anything. And I'm like, man, this is so weird. Even though I had that experience as a kid, it had been a long time since I'd been out of that environment. And my whole world was just so twisted. I was sleeping during the day, up at night in the nightclubs. That's all I knew. I was doing that four or five nights a week. And when I wasn't doing that, I'm depressed in my room with the blind shut. I didn't have kind of any other, any other life. And so to step out of that and now into this atmosphere that's holy, that's beautiful and with genuine people that loved God. And I remember thinking, man, this is so beautiful, but so confronting at the same time. And I walked in and I saw people with their arms up and I, I was reminded as a kid of, of that type of expression of worship. And, and I walked in and the band was playing. To be honest, I can't really remember how good the band was or any of the details about who was speaking, but I remember stepping into an atmosphere and I love worship. This is why I'm so big on worship, that it's not just a warm-up to the, the person that talks. You know what I mean? Like anything can happen at any time because God inhabits the praises of His people. I want to encourage you when you come to church, uh, don't just come along and think, okay, we're going to sing a few songs. And, but keep your heart open. Worship all the time with everything you've got because you just never know who might walk in that door next and encounter God in the presence. And it's the presence that changes things. It was the Holy Spirit that rocked my world that changed me. So here I am, stepping into this confronting situation. And I remember seeing everyone with their hands in the air, everyone with their arms up. And I remember thinking, man, I have got nothing to lose. I've just had this experience where God had spoken to me. He said, if you're ever going to get out of this darkness, you, you need to go back to church. I respond to that. Here I am, not knowing that the pastor of the church was walking around my house and praying for me my mom and I step into this moment and I remember thinking I'm just gonna put my hands up I've got nothing to lose and just open up my heart a little bit and as I did that God come crashing in I read the story of the prodigal son a lot I love just meditating on that and what I love about that story is that the son who wasted his inheritance and was out by the end of it, he's, he's with the pigs in the mud. And, I, and he thinks to myself, what am I doing here? Even the servants of my father live better than what I'm doing. I've just wasted my life. And he decides to go back to his father. He's thinking, even if, I just, even if my father doesn't receive me as a son, even if I just go back, and I'd just come back as like a servant, just to work as an employee for my dad. That'd be better than what I've got now. And, and, uh, and I just remember, I think of that story. And, and the father, when he saw the son coming from a distance, he didn't have this checklist of all these hoops and things that he needs to jump through. And uh, oh, before I receive you, you need to have all these things done first. The love of the father was so amazing that as soon as he saw the sun in the distance, he began to run towards his son. And that's what I experienced in that moment. Even though I was so messed up, wasted everything, this young kid that had been brought up in church life, used his gift and used it for the wrong things and got messed up in the most, with the most dark people. And, and I have a life that I've, in those days that I'm really, really not proud of. Here is this prodigal son moment where I open up my heart and the Father's love, it's just astonishing. His grace astonishes me so much. I did not deserve it. 
honestly, I don't, I don't want to give the devil any credit, so I don't want to go into too many details, but I was so bad, so selfish, so messed up. But the Father, His love, I just opened up my heart a little bit, and His love just come crashing through. And in that moment, it broke me. I'm weeping. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm laughing. It was just all of these emotions and this experience and this holiness and and this, uh, this purity and this innocence all came crashing all in that one moment. And, uh, and, you know, part of the reason I went to the drugs is because I'm trying to fill this emptiness, fill this void. And I'm looking for stuff to fill this hole that's in my heart. And the music wasn't doing it anymore. The sleeping around with the girls in the nightclubs wasn't doing it. And, and the drugs wasn't doing it. It was good for a, a moment, but then I'd come crashing down and that hole would be even bigger again. And I'm trying to fill this thing in my heart with all these things and then I step into this moment not really even knowing what I'm searching for just following this voice that I heard this was not dead religion that saved me it was the reality of the kingdom of God the presence of God the Holy Spirit come on let's give Jesus some praise come on Jesus That one encounter in 2003 flipped my life and changed my life forever. I was delivered of drug addiction, delivered of alcoholism, depression, uh, mental illness, all in that one moment. And then, yeah, come on, Jesus. Let's give Jesus some praise. And then I began, God began to stir my, my heart for the local church. I fell in love with the church. And I'm like, I just want to give my whole life to serving God. And I, I began to love people again. I hated being around people. I love being around people. And, and I just wanted to be at everything. I'm going to Bible studies and home groups. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reading the Bible like eight hours a day. I didn't have much experience in life apart from the nightclub scene and, uh, and dealing drugs. And so I gave all that up. And now I've got nothing else to do but read the Bible. And so I'm reading the Bible like eight hours a day and I'm just eating this thing and I'm just hungry. And I'm like, God, I just want to serve you for the rest of my life. That happened in 2003. And now God has done amazing things, gave me a beautiful wife. And we have four beautiful children. We're all, all serving God together. As a result of that miracle that took place, mom and dad are now back in church. They have been now for the last 15 years serving God again healed up from all their hurts of previous things and now we're all actually in the same local church my sister her husband and uh, and they got children now and all of us are serving God together and it all started back in 2003 with that encounter so let's give Jesus some praise come on thank you Jesus thank you God so right now I want to invite people I want to ask if if you've got I just really feel to pray for something specific right now. I just, we've talked about unsaved family and friends. I feel like there's something on that right now. And I might actually ask if the band could come up. I just want to flow with some things, if that's okay, Chad, and just prophetically pray. I mean, there's lots of things we can pray for, but I feel like there's something on uh, unsaved family and friends. And you've been hearing my story, and there's people in here, and you're, man, I need that for my son. I need that for, for my loved one. And so if... If right now, if you've got a burden for someone in your life, maybe they've been on a, on a dark path and you want to see God crash into their life. I've got a feeling that right now, the Bible says that the, it's the, like I said before, the prayer of the righteous, the powerful and effective. And some translations say 
that uh, it's the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous that avails much. I just get a sense uh, this morning that this testimony, it's going to encourage us and and it's uh, hopefully going to bless us. But I also, I have a sense that it's going to cause multiplication, that it's going to stir faith in your heart to pray the prayer of faith. Maybe you've kind of backed off a little bit and just thought this is just too hard of a situation. It is true that people have a free will and so we can't force people to follow Jesus and they have a free choice, but God can seriously influence their free will. He did to me. I I could have just kept going, but He came crashing in and it was all around, it was all associated because of the prayer of family members, my auntie with my dad, my mum and dad and the local pastor with me, and of course we got Jesus praying for us 24-7, seated at the right hand of the Father, but intercession is very, very, very important. So I want to invite people right now, if this is relevant to you, if you've got unsaved family and friends that you've, been, you've had a burden for them and maybe you've felt you've kind of pulled back a little bit in praying for them and almost felt like, man, this is, just seems like a hopeless situation, I just want you to stand up. We want to join our faith with you together. That's probably going to be a lot of us. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for you, Jesus. We thank you for you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You know, I was in Perth recently ministering at a men's meeting, around 200 men there, and 40 of those men got born again, preached the gospel, shared the testimony, and and God broke out, and 40 men got saved. It was really, really powerful. And one of the guys came up to me after, and he said, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story. Uh, Two people that I brought were family members, and they both got born again. Isn't that awesome? Let's, we can give Jesus some praise for that. That's good. But the really interesting thing was that he said, now that's my whole family. In the last six months, his whole family, none of them were saved except him. His whole family has been born again. And we've been seeing stories like this consistently, particularly over the last nine months. I believe it's, uh, it's partly because of the increased prayer that's going up in the intercession around the nation. There are many different prayer networks, and I know that we've increased our prayer, and thousands are committing, like we said, to praying at 7 o'clock every night, and something is happening. Amen? And so I feel so strong to pray for this tonight, sorry, this morning, that we would pray for our family and friends. There are many people are standing right now because you've got a burden on your heart. There's people in your life, and we want to see them saved. So what I want to do now is just invite you just to begin to pray. And I want you to speak their names and just call them back, call them back into the kingdom. So as the band just begins just to worship, we're just going to worship and pray at the same time. We're just going to bring the two together. We're going to worship and pray. But just now, just begin to lift their names up. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.